Nora Andreas. Oh, hi. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Bien, bien, ¿y tú? Bien, bien, ¿cómo estuvo oh, tu fin de semana? Yo puedo verte. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love your view, by the way. I love the, the green behind you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Oh. Here's my backyard, my plants. Wow, you're a green lady. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just like these plants. I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm a plant. I'm, a, I'm like a plant like killer. Like, they need to put me in prison for something. Ah. <laughs> hermoso. Emu Hermoso. Like, your background. Very beautiful. Oh, mil gracias. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have, I've gotten succulents before, and I killed them. Like, I smothered them to death. Oh. I just feed them with so much water, like, precious, here, have some more water. <laughs> and then they die. Like, I can kill cactus. Like, it's unbelievable the kind of thumbs I have. You know, people talk about having green thumbs. I think I have the dark thumbs. <laughs> I I just thought, keep... <laughs> that, that's what I thought, too. I thought I, did, I, thought I couldn't girl, do it. Girl. And my friend, she gave me these plants. Yeah. And she was like, you won't be able to kill these plants. Because I'm like, I can't grow. I was just like you. But you need these type of plants. Girl, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like I ignored it for a while. I'm like, oh, they haven't drunk water. Here, I have this five gallon of water. And <laughs> like, sometimes I follow the instructions. Like, I go to Home Depot or Lois, and I tell them, hey, I have this. I'll tell them, just do this and that. And I follow the instruction. They still die. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe. But I love plants. I love, I love the exchange of air around the house. I love, right. you know, just the feeling of freshness, you know, and having to yeah. tend to something without that inconvenience of a pet. But I'm like, yes. I can't have a dog, I don't have plans, and what do I have in my life? Nothing, you know? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Marcibel, and this is the Marcibel Podcast. Possible podcast, the podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for Blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host, Mosibo, Nigerian-born, U.S.-educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. Today I have someone from Cincinnati, Ohio, but her parents have doctorate degrees, even though she doesn't have one according to her. But she has two BAs, one in history and one in Spanish. Woohoo! She's a Christian, she's an avid churchgoer, and she loves to travel and meet new people. And that part is really true. I know she definitely goes to church because her post on Facebook, they're drawn from a place of faith and struggle and grace, always beautifully done. And she does love to travel because I met her on one of her travels to Austin, Texas, through my child friend. So everyone join me in welcoming Miss Andrea to the podcast. What's up, girl? Come estas? Hey, Yeah. Wow. Hello, girls. <laughs> Hola, amigos. So, how's well, we've talked about Ohio. It's very, very humid there. And were you born there, by the way? Yes, I was. I was born here. Born right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. Yes. Wow. What's special to you about Cincinnati, Ohio? Well, um, the thing that's special to me is the fact that most of my dad's family is here. Okay. So every time I think about Cincinnati, I think about family, and my dad came from a family of six boys. Oh, boys. So, very lively home. My grandmother has six boys, no girls. So that's a lot. <laughs> yes. So when the holidays would come, oh my gosh, all my uncles would come, their kids would come, their wives, and it would just be so loud. And my grandma's house, it, it was a small house, but we would all be packed in there and uh, just all the food and just 
just all the laughter and love. So that's what I love about Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati is also known for its chili and its um, Buckeyes. Oh, yeah. Buckeyes. Yeah, definitely have to try it when you come here. Yes. I don't know. I have just, I keep missing that part of, you know, the U.S., Ohio, um, Wisconsin. Yes. So we have two uh, major companies, Skyline and Gold Star. Oh. And people are either Skyline fans or Gold Star Chili fans. So Which ones are the aggressive ones? Like, how do you know? Like, which one do we not talk to? If I could pick a side. Skyline. Okay. I'm telling. You. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm gonna put. I'm gonna do that then. Cause it's usually like there should be like a competition. Like there's some side we don't talk to because they have like very weird choices. Like the gold star people, right? Okay. Good. Right. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> Skyline it is. <laughs> Send me my t-shirt and put my name on it. Well, good. Good. Um. So for those listening, I met Andrea. I think probably two years ago, maybe. About a year ago. Yep. February of 2017. Was it? I think it was. Was it 17? Yep, 17. Oh my yes. goodness. I thought it was in 2016. Anyways, um, we met in Austin. I think you had come for a, a yep. training. Yep. That's oh yeah, right it, was for a super, training. it was a Super Bowl game and we were watching Atlanta. Yes. And, um, it was New England Patriots and Atlanta, right? Yes. And then they didn't win, by the way. You know, even though oh, we were trying yeah. to see they were going to win. And I just right. remember talking to, we just talked because there were so many people there and we just talked and I was like, wow, my goodness, she has a lot of wisdom. And it was one of those people, like, you know what, let's just add each other on Facebook and see how it goes. Usually those kind of things just die out because the, right. the free zone of a party, everybody's like, hi, you know, not like hi, like hi from alcohol or whatever, just, you know, hi in spirits. And then you add yourselves right. on Facebook and it's like, eh. Who's this right, person? Like, I don't uh, know oh, delete. Uh, I can't remember. How, how did we become friends? But was right. never, <laughs> it was never like that with Andrea. It was just because I, I, it was your post actually. I think your post was what made it, you know, very relevant for me to always still remember, even though I hadn't seen you since that first time I met. So, hint: if you add somebody on Facebook, stay relevant so they don't delete you off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when and she talks about almost everything, you know, um, she talks about faith a lot. She talks about struggles. She talks about, you know, personal responsibility. And she talks about it in the way that it makes you look in, inside of your... Like, it's very introspective. Like, you look at yourself and you're like, oh, man, that was good. Even though I'm falling short of this particular thing. I think what you talk... The way you talk about it is you, you talk about it with love. Like, even the things we need to work on, you talk about it with love. And you don't come from a place of, well... I'm, I've achieved it, guys. You know, I'm floating above everybody, levitating above everybody. So you all need to listen to me. No, she's it's, it's with graces of love, and I think that's what's missing most of the time. When we want to talk about things, we're not comfortable hearing. So one, that's one thing, one of the things I liked about her. I like about her post. So when I started a podcast, I knew it was not gonna be a brainer to like bring her on board because I wanted her to share some of her wisdom with us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, how do you go from having two bachelor's degrees? Like, was one like intentional? One was like, you know what? Eh, I'm just gonna get two for the price of one. Like, how do you have a, a two VAs, one in history, one in Spanish? You smarty. So, <laughs> yes. So the first degree I got that was in Berea. I wanted to be an attorney. So I, uh, someone had told me in order to be a good attorney, you need a history degree because you have to write a lot of paper. Yeah. You have to do a lot of critical thinking, and you have to be able to read like mounds of books in so much time and be able to write something down. I want to say that was true. I'm not a lawyer, by the way, but that sounds about right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so then I got, I got that degree. I tried to go to law school. It just wasn't for me. I did some internships with a lawyer and a federal judge. And 
that just wasn't the path for me at that time. Mm-hmm. So I ended up working for a doctor's office. And while working there, they had Spanish patients. And so they were like, Andrea, you know, do you speak Spanish fluently? And at the time, my Spanish was pretty bad. So they were like, go back to school. Were they going to pay then, for it? Huh? What are you no. gonna pay for it, honey? No, I ain't gonna buy You're not gonna pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, they told me they told me they would if I was signing contracts, stating that mm-hmm. after I got my degree, I would have to stay there for two years. And then the and lawyer, like, the lawyer, you kicked in like, no, I ain't signing no paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I'm like, I'm not staying. I'm not signing any contracts. So they never paid for it. But since. Um, after I graduated, I ended up getting a job with the government. So it was like, now I don't have to worry, you know, really about that because my um, loans are forgiven after a certain amount of time. Congratulations. So, so you did get two out of that. Now, for yes! you, are yes. you talking about classical history, American history? Like, what part of history did you specialize in? Well, I had to study all history, but being that I'm African-American, I really like the history about us. Mm. That's where I got the encouragement, the motivation to write papers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I love the history about us. I loved Western civilization, too. Yeah. You know, the beginning of life, seeing yeah. all of that, the Mesopotamia, the Nile River, you know, our roots, the motherland, you know, love reading about all of that. And, um, you know, just how we have transitioned into where we are today. So if I could, I, there's not a particular century that I like more. So my next question, what's your favorite century? I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really think of one. I mean, I like, I like the rise and fall of Rome. That teaches us yeah, a lot. Yeah, Rome is burning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, it it humbled me, like the history of Rome, like it really humbled yes. me. Like reading that. Yes. So much luxury yeah. and, and waste and, you know, yes. greed and... I mean, it was like a telenovela. Sorry, no offense to those that watch telenovela. It was just very dramatic. Like, the key figures and just how they had the world and then it, they just let it go. Right! Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And along that line, I feel like with African-American history, we don't get to... And I'm not African-American, as you know, but I, we don't... Like, living here, most people don't get to know about that history. Because it's not very oh. emphasized. And I feel like as a people, now, we need- as African-Americans, you already have that African in you because you were from a place yes. and it brought you here. And you need that history much more than anybody. You know? Yes. But then you don't, then with that lost connection, you already feel taken away from the motherland. And then you're in a place yes. where it's neither here or there. And then you don't even know your history. And I feel like for most people that don't know the history, it's, you can tell because it's it's like, yes. it's like double lost in a way. And I don't know if I'm saying it right. I don't want to sound, you know, all African supremacist on everybody. But I feel like not knowing the history sometimes can even be one of the problems we're having right now. Because we don't even know how everything just started. And they rely on media, which, you know, of course, they're not very reliable sources for those kind of stuff. So for you, right. for those that might be listening, what would you say about African-American history that can even help them get started if they were to start equipping themselves? Right. For African-American history or just African history that we need to know. So I would like to start with knowing that or speaking on how we need to know African history because it tells us our origins and how we were kings and queens, how we had good civilizations, because a lot of the teaching um, that is taught here in the United States just within our African-American homes sometimes is a negative view of Africa. And it's a lack of 
um, lack of desire to study that. A lot yeah. of times people just think, oh, they see they see stuff on TV and they're like, that's Africa. They see the starving children. With flies see, circling around huh? their head. Girl, no. Right. <laughs> and, and they think that's all of Africa. And it's like, no, it's beautiful cities. It, it's beautiful people. Not everyone is suffering. Yeah. But because of the images on TV are played like that in the United States, a lot of African Americans just think very negative of Africa. And that's where a lot of their negative behavior comes from when they do meet people from Africa because of that lack of knowledge. Yeah. So I think as African Americans, we first need to study Africa. And I remember when I was in first grade, that's where I got like a taste of wanting to know about Africa because my um, teacher, my first grade teacher, her name was Sister Jackie. It was a Christian school. Yeah. And she taught us different languages. And I remember in Swahili, she taught us Swahili. Um, oh. How to say hi. Yeah. Jumbo. Yeah. yeah. Pictures of Ghana. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And as a little girl, six years old in first grade, I wanted to go to Ghana. I'm like, wow, I want to go to Ghana. She was like, yes, it's beautiful colors. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country. Yeah. It's wonderful, you know, and that's where some of our slave ships have come from. Yeah. So from that early age of learning about Africa and different other um, cultures and learning even how to say jumbo, I've forgotten how to say bye now in Swahili, but that's all I remember is jumbo. I remember that. And um, anytime I meet someone who does speak Swahili, that's the first word I say to them. <laughs> <Jambo>. <laughs> right, Jambo, that's all I know, you know. But just that little piece of connection to Africa from Ghana, even though Africa is a continent, a lot of African Americans keep forgetting that and they think, oh, Africa is just a country. No, no Africa a... is a huge continent with more than 50 countries people. in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where our. Um, that's where our lack of knowledge is from, too, because we don't know that we're very diverse. We, Us African-American people, we have come from all types of countries yeah. over there, yeah. which is why we need to study the origin. And from there, I, I know you probably want to ask another question. That's fine, but go ahead. But from six years old, and then once I started going to high school, I ended up becoming a, uh, friends with a girl who was from Egypt. And wow. just, um, I had another friend. And she that's was, different, right? That was a different right. kind of Africa for you because we have, yes. we have different presentations and manifestations. Yes. But that's the beauty of Africa is like that different yeah. people and different things, but it all connects to form like a big motherland. Yes, exactly. It's like, the, it, it's like the symphony. You know, you have the violinist, you have the drums, yes. you have the bass. Sorry, there are no drums in a in a in an orchestra, but you have all the people playing their wind instruments, and there's, you know, there's the there's the guitarist, and everybody's just making beautiful sound at once. That's yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I'm like, wow, you know, and meeting her and learning her travels of how she came here. So I'm like, wow, you know, that also helped my desire to want to connect more with people from Africa. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I had friends that were from all over the place. I ended up living um, during the summer with one of my friends. She's from Zimbabwe. Wow. And her name Precious, and I was like, "That's not an African name." No, we have we have all kinds of names. We have a lot of English names. Parts of Nigeria. It's just like, you know, we're a British colony and stuff like that. And so I'm like, "Wow, you know, just each person opened up my mind to Africa. Like, wow, it's so so diverse. This continent is filled up with so many 
history, yeah. so much history. It's not the same for everyone just in hearing about the struggles through the 80s and 90s for that country to what is, you know, happening now. Um, I don't know. It's just beautiful to me. And I, and I can't wait to visit. Oh, that's really... going to be my next question. When are you going? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. You want to stop with Ghana first, right? Like, I want to imagine Ghana will be your first stop. Right, Ghana. Avoid, Ghana. avoid the jollof rice. Thank me later. Okay. You don't get that reference yet, but write it down. You know how you talked about, you know, Sky and then the Gold Star? Sky Shine and Gold Star about the, you know, um, chilies? Yes. When you go to Ghana, avoid the jollof rice. I'm going to send you a personal jollof message. Rice. Yeah, okay. avoid it. It's poisonous. Try the Nigerian oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> to this guy he was half nigerian and half um half american mm -hmm. so uh, a lot of experience from that you know from the nigerian culture like yoruba and the other tribe that i have forgotten um Igbo? yes Igbo yeah, tribe so yeah, i've yeah. had both types of people and um all of that and i'm like wow i want to go to lagos lagos that's where it's i'm from lagos yeah really? yeah Oh, yeah, you should totally go. Are you still in touch with this person, this Nigerian friend of yours? No, I'm not. They're oh. they're now married. So oh. yes. Anyways, well, good. I do hope you go. Um, another question along that line: Have you done your ancestry analysis to find out what part I, of Africa you're from? I haven't, and I want to. I want to. Oh yeah, you should totally do it. I think you should go. You should definitely go and make it make it a like a trip to yourself. But before you do go, find out what what your DNA ancestry says. Yes, yes, yes. Now, yes. you did mention a lot of good points about, you know, how the history, not knowing the history between us can cause the conflict. And I want to also say, to kind of make this um, narrative really balanced, that as Africans, one of the things I know I didn't do very well was being, you know, patient enough to understand that African Americans, they don't have that connection that we have. And sometimes because of that lack of connection, we might come off as, eh, who are these people? And until I yeah. really began to really learn the history, because you don't learn a lot of that if you're not in America. And it takes, even if you're here, it takes a certain kind of, you know, um, consciousness to be able to understand that, okay, there's still racism, there's slavery, but that, yeah. but you also have to understand that these people were brought, most of them were brought against their own will. So unless we really, as Africans, being more patient, and one of the things I'm also advocating now is Africans, you know, if you find an African-American, you know, teach them about Africa. Let them get excited. Let them know about your own place, where you're from. And, you know, just they, they can pick any part of Africa you might be interested in. Learn more about that. If you want to travel there, you know, go through the proper means. Find people. Uh, there are many people that do, like, tours right, right now. And they can help you get, you know, transition. I wish there was a mechanism in place where we can, like, do, like, almost like a study abroad. You know, yes! yeah, but like, you know, the adult version, like get your know, Africans and African. And, like, I can totally do that. I can see myself doing that. It's probably for Nigeria. Like, we got you. Where you want to go? Lagos, we got you. You know, go there, go there. I just pe take people over because there's so much fun yes! to be had. There's so much you can learn. There's so much connection you can feel because I feel like, yes. even on the other hand, once people get to really know this, they get excited about bringing people home. Because one thing I know Nigerians are very good is we're very hospitable people. We're very, yes, very hospitable are. people, yes. you know. So, but. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody wants to partner with me on that project, I don't have the funds, but I do have the brains to run it. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's do a study. No, let's do um, 
Africa Connect, or I don't know what the word will be. Maybe African Lounge. I don't know. Just something to get Africans exchange with African Americans and then do almost like a uh, like a um, swap, like a how like a home swap in a way. Or oh, maybe yeah. continent swap. Ah, yeah, country swap. That could be it. A brother swap. I don't know. Brothers from another. I'm saying. I'm, right. I'm just, I'm just getting excited. Nigeria and U.S. swap because since you know like a lot about Nigeria, yeah. you could take us to great places. Like yeah. we could do a one week type travel. You will have Nigeria. so much fun. Like you will have so much fun. You don't want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I know it looks so beautiful. It so I'm beautiful. like, I want to go. It is beautiful. I want to go. It is beautiful. And since you're already African, there's some places that are not gonna be beautiful. I promise you. Kind of like right. you have here in the U.S., but. You will still have a full appreciation of it. Like I'm not gonna lie to you and be like, oh, it's all gold paved roads and you know right. everything is all roads. You know, there's some challenging parts, but it's kind of like how you have Southside Chicago here and you know some other parts, oh, of, yeah. you know, North Carolina that are you know the beauty you and the beast part. Exactly. You don't want to be driving there at night, you know, by yourself, <laughs> by alone himself. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the people, the people, the people just make it. Well, again, a totally different angle we're going now. So you've interacted a lot with international students. Especially yes. Africans. Yes. So for the most part, how would you describe your relationship with Africans? How do you perceive us? And by us, uh, I mean, that's a very general question because it's, you know, <laughs> it's Africans. You know, we can't condense the whole of the continent into one person. <laughs> right. <laughs> but certainly the people that I've met from different countries yeah. in, in Africa have been very nice. Mm -hmm. um, it's very rare that I have met uh, African that did not, you know, that wasn't um, likable or wasn't um, nice. Most African people that I have met, um, definitely in college, were pretty nice. I mean, I had some that may have given me the side eye. but <laughs> we, did like, that, we did that with other Africans as well. So well, maybe it was a way of just making you feel at home. Right, right, good. When you get excited, I was like, welcome home, sister. <laughs> right, and maybe it's my personality, um, because I do like people who come from different countries, yeah. so it's, I'm pretty much an open person. Yeah. That's what I've been told, so people are drawn by that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't really had too much of a negative, too negative encounter. Okay. I mean, that's good. Not too much. I, what I have heard from both both sides of the people, like people who work with African-Americans and they're African, they're like, you know, African-American people are lazy under, they're always trying to buzz, I'm trying to help them, you know, that type of stuff. And then I'll hear it from African-Americans where they're complaining about Africans, like <laughs> these people, you know, they hate us. They're always trying to work us like we slaves. And, you know, I, I'm hurt. You're like Aunt Jemima, you hear, you hear both sides like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to kill me first. The Africans or the African Americans. <laughs> right. So I've heard that. And then, I mean, I have, even with my friend that I had lived with during the summer, Precious, who was from Zimbabwe, um, yeah. we had so many conversations. When she lived with me, it was me, um, her, and a girl from Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. So my friend who was from Birmingham, we used to do each other's hair all the time oh, nice. and, and cook and everything. And so my friend from uh, uh, Birmingham, she would always tell Precious, like, Precious, uh, we do more than cooking and doing hair. People <laughs> <laughs> like to read. And so Precious and I begin to have really deep conversations. And her and I are very good friends to this day. That's she told me, she was like, when I came to the United States, Andrea, I thought most of black people were on, like, welfare, had baby daddies, yeah. because of MC and BT. Yeah. 
like, boy, I didn't know you guys got those channels. That's all we got. <laughs> wow. MTV was a big deal. BET and just, you know, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So she said, seeing those views of African-Americans come, you know, I had that in my head that most of them were not intelligent. So once she lived with me and my friend Crystal from Birmingham, we, we opened her up to so much. We told her how we came from two parent homes and I bet, you know, I was, I bet that was shocking for her. Like, yes, wait, what? Yes. You have a mom and dad and they live together? Right. <laughs> and especially when she found out like my parents had gone on and got other degrees yeah. and you know, she was just like, wow, you have parents together. My friend, her parents are still together. And both me and my other friend are very educated. So we have very intellectual conversations and we travel to different countries. And so my friend Precious was like, this is awesome. You know, see African-American people successful and and thinking about more than clothes and you know, fashion and all that other drama type stuff, you know. So we both enlighten one another because she enlightened me on the fact that African people are people from Zimbabwe don't just have African names. They have names that are very much um, from British colonies or just very much to like American people, you know, yeah. American people. And we were very similar and then we were very different. But to appreciate the type of food she had as well as she appreciate the food we had. So she used to cook a lot of um, chicken curry. Oh, nice. And, oh, my gosh, it was so good. And, yeah, so I think a lot of African people are very intelligent, very hardworking people, um, very family-oriented. Yeah, I have family are. members that are married to people yeah. from different countries, yeah. too. In yeah. Africa, so. Well, that's good. So of all the Africans you met, what's your favorite person and what country are they from? Nigerian. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'll definitely say, I mean, actually, I have three. I've met so many people from Nigeria here in Cincinnati, yeah. and they are awesome people. Very, very intelligent. Most are, um, like, in the medical field, um, you know, business engineers. And it was so interesting when I went to Guatemala, yeah. and I got into some conversations with people there, and and I was just telling them about African people, how they're very intelligent, and they were very shocked by that. And I was very sad because I'm like, I'm in Guatemala. Like, these people don't think African Americans, <laughs> our African people are intelligent. Like, who am I talking to? You need to, and you need to, so you need to ask them what are they watching because I don't blame them for that one-sided, you know, view of us. You know? yeah. And I just believe it. I'm like, where am I? It, uh, this was 2000 and... Um, that was 2012. Yeah. yeah, 2012. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, it was the bus driver. We were having all kind of conversations. I just couldn't believe it. Like, what? So, I don't know. I mean, and then when I talk to African-American people, they're very close-minded, too. Very close-minded sometimes. I think people are still the same regardless. Because that's another thing we never, but should also consider the fact that Africans that come to the U.S., the U.S. immigration system demands the best of the best. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. so for you to come to the U.S., you have to either come as a highly skilled worker or you come with a lot of yes. money. And that's already a selection bias. I'm not trying to cast down, um, say, for example, a painter. Like if you're just a local painter, you only paint like, you know, small houses, you don't have a big company. It's going to be very hard for you to come to the U.S. It attracts like highly, highly intellectual people. And that's why I feel like as a whole, African-Americans don't get to see like um, every kind of African. They only see like the best of the best. And that's right. why you like creating like a divide, 
you know because yes. we don't get to go to those neighborhoods where we can have like you know those interactions with like you know everyday right. people because you're like busy with school work or whatever it is we came to do yes. and if you don't find them in your circle like for doctors if you don't find them in your place of work or for professors if you don't find them in your place of work you don't get to really see people like you know and their common elements so that's another thing right. yeah anyways mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. now i'm going to go to the um mardi gras section of the podcast <laughs> Besides you, you're a travel person, you're a wanderlust like me, like you love traveling. Now, how many countries have you been to? Let's see, um, I've been to about six. Oh, good. And are they um, world continents? Have you have you gone to all the continents ex- except Antarctica? Which one? I haven't. I haven't. I've pretty much been on this continent. Oh, that's not bad. So tell, me, tell us the countries you've been to. Um, Canada, um, Mexico. Cuba. Nice. Where did you go to yes. Cuba? Yes, I got to go to Cuba with um, UC, uh, my school for Spanish, and this was in 2014. So before they Whoa. lifted a little embargo, so Whoa. I'm like, yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. So you've been to Cuba, you've been to Nicaragua. I have friends from Nicaragua. They actually live in Managua, like the. Oh yes, yeah. that's where I went. I went to Managua. Yeah, um, you've been to Mexico. You've been to Canada. Um, you've been to Guatemala. Yep. Now, what's the sixth country? Uh, Panama. Oh, nice. You've been mostly to Central yeah. America. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Of all those countries, which one was your favorite and why? It was definitely Cuba. Cuba, because the people look just like me and you, and they <laughs> love their African history. Yeah. I've never seen a country that really celebrated they're black people. They, I mean, it was very empowering as a black woman seeing that even as a black man, they would go there and they would feel very empowered just to see all of the things that we have done and just to hear a positive view about Cuba and the revolution. Well, Although the revolution really didn't work, it, it was still in theory. It was a good idea. In, in one sense, like how they wanted to help the people, not as far as, um, people couldn't advance, you yeah, know, and yeah. that's where yeah. the poverty comes in is the fact that they try to cap everyone at a certain wage. And there was still a hierarchy there with Castro's family making more than anybody. You know, that's communism. So, There's always yeah. a way that much is of that's communism for you. Somebody at the top of us, which is of, you know, the people. Yes. And what I've, I've always wanted to visit Cuba as well. Um, I, ha- mm-hmm. I have two people that I know that are the very good friends of mine are from Cuba. And the way they talk about the place. And I feel like I want to go there before, no offense to you guys, before you Americans go there and then you start building a Walmart or a McDonald's. Yes. And then, you know, it's like, ah, oh, it's too Americanized. Because it's off of yes. the Florida coast. That can happen, like, really quickly. Because, you know, Havana to, like, you know, some parts of Florida is, like, 60 miles or so. So I want to go there before, you know, yes. y'all just move there yes. and there's a Walmart down. So like, ah, because from what I've heard about, it's so pristine. It's old history, but it's the way people live their lives, the simplicity of it. Of course, there's some downsides. That's you. You know, but there's That's just something you. about it. And, I, and I, I like that now it's open, but I hope they don't lose their, you know, their uniqueness. Yes, that's exactly how I feel too. And that's why I was so happy before they opened it up to yeah. everyone. I'm, I'm just... In a pure form, they thought me and my other friend were from Britain. That's how much they didn't have interaction with Americans. And I was so happy 
Thank wow. you. I'm glad that they thought it was from a different country. Wow. They even thought we were like from Bahamas. Or, and my friend that I went with, she had dressed like you. So they kept telling her, Rasta girl. They loved it. <laughs> They're like, Rasta girl, I love you. And they called us Linda. I mean, they shouted. Oh, wow. wow. I, had a similar, I had that similar experience when I was in Jamaica. I was in Montego oh. Bay and I had my, I had, no, it wasn't even dreadlocks then. I had braids on. And they, was, they would speak to me in patois or whatever the language was. And I was like, sorry, I'm not from here. Like, oh, you look Jamaican? I'm like, no, I'm yes. not Jamaican. They all thought I was right. Jamaican. And, you know, when we got to the airport, usually they'll, like, come around and try to help you. They didn't, nobody really came to me because everyone just thought I was from there and I could figure my way out. Right. You know? <laughs> that felt I very interesting. It. I'm like, I was able to speak Spanish. That's good. Because of the African influence. I mean, the voices were so melodious. Almost on every street corner, someone singing. Yes. Very very beautiful. Um, I mean, it's also uh, a struggling country, too. But even in the midst of the struggle, you see the perseverance. There were so many people that were just so built. I'm like, why are these men so built, strong, the women, you know, built? I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful to me. I was, And just how they knew their history. They knew more history than I did about the United States and the interaction and just how Old Havana used to be like a little Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going here about, you know, Havana, people like dressing up and the casinos and, you know, the fans. Yes. It reminded me of, you know, Casablanca, like, you know, even the, like, almost like a scene off of, you know, the Great Gatsby, how people just had fun and all that. But then yes. I had all of that just went away, you know. Another question on, uh, well, this is kind of different is, what would you say is one thing you really struggle with as a human being? <sighs> I guess one thing that I struggle with is accepting that there are people who are mean and that there are people who don't want to understand. You know, they don't want to understand other people. That, to me, is the struggle to deal with people who are very, very close-minded. And I, I respect people who have morals and and beliefs and they don't allow debauchery. That's what I want to talk about. But people who are close-minded to other races yeah. and that other races can be um, can be rich. I, I've met people who think that, you know, black people have to be beneath, you know, and they think very negative about black people and so i don't i don't really like people who are very prejudiced and discriminatory because of the color of our skin um so that's that's the struggle for me dealing with people who are very close-minded when it comes to diversity so that's what i would say one of my struggles is dealing with people like that you know very good thanks for answering that now um right enough here you know i'm nigerian right Yes. Was there any con- any question you have about Nigeria? Is there anything you're curious about Nigeria that like for me to answer? Any question? Yes. Ooh. So okay. So what is um like a typical dish in Nigeria? Like <sighs> say bread. That's really difficult. It depends on two major factors: what tribe you are and what part of country you live in. You know? Okay. And so I can't really answer that because. I can I can only answer that based on my experience. And also, if we trickle that down, it's gonna depend on the family you're from. You know, okay. whether you you have like parents, your moms, for example, because moms were the ones that made breakfast when we were growing up. Now I think things have changed. They might even have like helps and all things like that. But it de- it depends. So if you like, you know, 
uh, also if you're also like a growing child, if you're going to school, you want to make something fast. So for breakfast, growing up in the 80s, because um, I'm an 80s kid. Um, Me too. Okay, I'm an 80s kid, and my country was still. Um, it, it was it was a very difficult time. It was military. There was a lot of restrictions. So we had like a mix of both. We would have cereals. And back then, we had just two kinds of cereals. We had the locally made ones and then a very expensive one by Kellogg's. And not everybody could afford the expensive ones because they had a lot of import duty levied on them. So it was very expensive. So we had to go for the local ones. And those ones, you put a lot of water in them. It takes a while for them to like dissolve or maybe milk. Like it takes a while for, it, for, the, for the milk to get it through. Like you could probably leave it soaking for like hours and then you still come back and it's so hard. So you can have, you know, cereals or you can have like, um, we call it tap, which is like a, a cornmeal. Almost like grits, but think about grits, but with a, a smoother consistency. And you can have that with like, you know, um, beans, cake, which you call akara. Or you can also have um, yam and eggs. You can have noodles for breakfast. Like, it depends though. But for lunch, usually it's rice or maybe yam or, uh, um, and then for dinner, you can have like more cells like amala or eba. So it's kind of, it depends on where you're from. And I know people that are living in the north, they might have a different kind of, you know, meal that they have for breakfast. So it depends on the family you're from. What growing category are you? Are you a, a, a primary school or someone in grade school? Or, um, and also, like, your so, the socioeconomic status of your parents, if they could afford house help, or house if your helps. mom was only making meals, or what part of what, part, what time what time you grew up in? Was it 80s, 90s, or 2000 kids? Because I feel like kids that are born nowadays, they have access to so many important stuff. We didn't have mm-hmm. access to growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a very good question. I never really had to answer that question. Like, yeah, I, I thought that would be different. I love how you threw in the history part of it because I didn't know that the country was struggling back in the 80s. Oh, we're struggling. Felt- yeah, we're struggling a lot. Yeah. I love history, by the way. I, I, I always have an appreciation of things that have happened so that way I can see how far we've come. Yeah, in the 80s, because we didn't get our democracy uh, until 1999. You know, so my country was under a military regime from 1960 up until 1999. So that's like what 39 years. And yeah, I, I, I mean, those were heavy restrictions. I tell you, heavy restrictions. There was a time I was watching, I was watching a, a, a video. A, my parents were watching a propaganda video against the government. And we had to shut our windows. You know, wow. and I couldn't tell anybody at school that we watch. I couldn't tell anybody because I, I had the belief that if I told somebody we're going to come get my family and kill us all. That was how scared I was growing up, you know. But that was just on TV. It was, not, it was a special DVD. It was a special VCR tape my dad had bought and he invited his friends. And I, I stayed up like I stayed up late that day. I don't know why, but I didn't want to go to bed. And it was just like, you can watch it, but you cannot tell anybody. And I just, like, cannot tell. And like, it wasn't like you know. Sometimes your parents like warn you, like, don't talk to strangers. You know, don't right. cross the road. Make sure you look left, right, and left again. Now this was like a higher level, like a defcon level of warning. Like I could see the fear in my father's eyes. I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. That, I mean, that, so yes, and it was anti-government. It was you know about Babangida, who was the president then, and it was well. I felt like the narration was well done, and I wish everybody else had watched it, but I couldn't tell. My, I was bursting like to tell somebody like, uh, uh, <laughs> but I couldn't. So that was the that was an enjoy I grew up in then. There were so many restrictions. There were so many restrictions. Oh, Things okay. have changed now. So I feel like we eighties kids were like children of contradiction in a way we went from nothing to like so much abundance and sometimes it's very difficult to navigate that and then moving to the u.s where you walk into a store and you're seeing like 20 50 brands of cereal like uh right decision paralysis what am i gonna do and i want to know everything so i pick up like all the brands and i'm like 
oh that has like five percent fiber in it uh let's see the other one and then i'm like 20 hours later i'm still in the store you know so sometimes like the good old days but like, <laughs> how good are those days when you didn't have your freedom you know <laughs> right uh, now it's like now that you're adult yeah. you know you have that freedom to be able to look at everything and pick yeah. out anything you want well good good and then finally you speak spanish we kind of had a, a few a little banter and I, you're very proficient at that now that you don't really work in that doctor's office anymore how are you able to preserve that aspect of your life are you afraid that you might lose it Yes, I am. I am because I haven't been using it as much as I would like to. So um, I now have a new boss and he's Argentinian. And so I expressed that to him how I want to have like more um, chances to speak Spanish. So he allowed me to like go to a different city. It was outside of Cleveland. I got to go there for a week and I was able to talk Spanish to a few people so however i do have family members that speak spanish but they don't live here in cincinnati so it does make it kind of rough for me to keep continuing the language Uh, i recently talked to a friend of mine who told me that her pastor actually today her pastor is african-american and he befriended a man that is mexican who's a mexican pastor and the mexican pastor has cancer and so now he's Mm. leaving church is very this is a very unique situation but the mexican pastor says told him he was like i don't trust anyone else with my church except for you so now this african-american man is going to take on his black congregation as well as a latino congregation most is most of the um, congregation is from guatemala so a lot of them don't speak english a lot of them do not speak English, but now they're being entrusted in the hands of an African-American pastor. So my friend who attends the church, she was like, Andre, you know, we can use your help. And I'm definitely thinking about, like, going and helping with the church and stuff like that. Yeah. And that will give me an opportunity to be able to speak Spanish because she was like, my pastor doesn't speak Spanish. Most all of us do not speak Spanish. And now we're going to inherit another church and all of their, all of the people speak Spanish. <laughs> Some of them speak English. So, oh, it, nice. so that transition is going to be kind of, kind of difficult, you know. But I applied the Mexican pastor who was leaving his Guatemalan congregation in the hands of an African American. Like that is very unique, you know. So I'm definitely praying about it, yeah. and I'm like, if this is my opportunity to be able to continue the language like hey i will take it mm-hmm. well, so pray for me <laughs> and pray good thank you really good really good and i do wish that you i do hope and pray that you get the right directives and if it's meant for you you know that you that you in addition to blessing those people you also get something back because when we think about helping people that way we forget about what also comes to us you know right. and the blessings and just the the virtue that you know comes in us and I do pray that it's going to be um, virtuous for you. So that way it's not like a time-wasting venture. And then you get all stressed out. And, you know, well, good. Well, this was it. This was it. Um, I'm going to have you close us off by just, you know, saying something about the show in Spanish. And I'll try and guess what you say. If you want to speak slowly so I can hear it. Okay. Me gusta mucho. Mi amiga dice que muy bien. 
um, sobre su historia de su país. Estoy agradecida porque es mi primera vez aquí, primera vez yo hablo sobre mi vida, um, también mi um, comunicación con diferentes africanos. So, yo pienso que um, hoy muy está bien, muy está bien. Wow, the first one I had was, was glad to be on the show. You talked about you yes. being in history and you talked about you, something about communication and I kind of got lost. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was, I was just I was just looking at your face because you were glowing when you were talking. I was like, ah, I'm not even keeping stop. I'm not even talking anymore. I'm just gonna keep gazing at her countenance, you know. <laughs> so that was pretty much what I was saying. Except I was saying like that was good about you talking about the history of your country, yeah. and I think that this is very good. Like I think that today is very good. You know, like this is all good. Yes. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Can't really thank you enough. So we've talked a lot about, you know, African-American history, about your love for Africa, especially certain countries like, yeah. you know, Ghana, and what African-Americans and Africans can do to, like, understand each other better and just, you know, help each other get connected. especially with, you know, Africans helping African-Americans. And, yeah, thank you so much for also sharing your part of yourself, what you struggle most with, and the countries you've been to. And it's really, really been nice talking to you, exploring your story, and knowing more about Andrea. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you. No, thank you. You've been a great host. I mean, awesome. Thank you. Awesome thank you. job. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I think you're doing a wonderful job. You're bridging the gap between Africans and African-American. And you know what the scripture says? It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Yes, I try. And so you're blessed. I really try. Sometimes you, I wish I could yes. always be peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> your joyful youthful spirit like that helps to bring people to god because they see the hope yeah, like it. there's hope you're bringing the hope so keep the good work thank yes you, thank you and keep writing your stuff on facebook i do enjoy reading from you well um this was the show everyone thank you all for listening and i'll catch you guys on another episode of the more civil podcast don't forget to check the website www.mostcivil.com and i'd like to hear from the listeners i'm actually opening up to more guests so if you have a suggestion for someone i can bring on board a friend whose story you would like you know for them to share have them contact me on facebook and instagram as mostcivil m-o-s-i-b-y-l or check the website and find a way to contact me hit the contact button and then send me an email i love to share as many diverse stories topics whatever i'm open to that just share stories and have ways to connect us all to the world well i've been your host masibo 